Hi, I'm Neil and welcome to the Crosscast. In today's Crosstalk, we are going to look back on a fistful of action from the, how many was it, loads of races at the World Masters Cyclocross Championship and the return of the big three. Take it to the same start line again. Pidcock, Van der Poel, Van Aert and did it live up to the hype or maybe there was other things that have been absolutely amazing over the past few weeks we're also going to review the first running of the world cup from doubling with races that well they appear to have been touched by some hollywood scriptwriter, i reckon and we're joined in the studio today by cyclocross talent keris styler who's been out picking up world masters titles after a racing career on the road that included national titles olympic selections and all kinds of other bits and bobs along the way i'm sure we'll find more about that in a moment now, as always, I'm joined by Matt Payne. It was fantastic to have you back on the mic, Ipswich. How was it? You were putting words to the action for days and days, it seemed. It was quite an intense weekend, wasn't it? Well, it was days and days. It's not just you getting bored of me after a couple of days. But no, thank you, Neil. It was great to be back. Putting words to the action is what I do. You know, it's what I do for a living. But it's always special seeing friends. And seeing people who I have watched race, you know, year after year after year, and then achieving something, whether that was just crossing the finish line. There were people there recovering from from injury and illness. There were other people for whom this was their season goal. There were other people who just entered on a whim. And, and yet everybody, the atmosphere was amazing. And I think it was really special. I mean, I'm only doing two UK gigs live, actually, at venue. Uh, one's Clanfield and one's Ipswich. And I've got to say... If I was to pick an event to kick off those two, it had to be Ipswich because it was just brilliant seeing so many people and quite a lot of the Continental riders as well who had come back after making the trip last year in really difficult circumstances, coming back and seeing everybody. Uh, it was really good. I mean, the atmosphere backstage was, was, was hysterical. It was like absolute carnage. If you thought the racing was good, and we'll get onto that in a moment, backstage, we had like body after body just moving about. Nobody knew where they were meant to be necessarily. I don't think we knew who was going out on stage half the time until somebody shouted. Um, and it literally was, was was absolutely all over at times. And yet front of the stage, it, it looked brilliant, which is what you always want. And and that atmosphere backstage, there was no animosity. There were people who'd lost out on titles by like millimeters or lost out on position. And do you know what? Nobody really cared. <laughs> <laughs> they did they were hiding it really really well and that was great and i mean all the way through it, it was so nice seeing people just having a good time and just meeting up with old friends and i guess none of us are the age we were we're all racing we're all getting older we're all you know doing this because we want to do it because it's fun not because we think we're going to ever make a career out of being a master cyclocross world champion you're never going to be a pro at that but you know what it it was great. And having said that, everybody raced hard. I mean, I saw some right old shoulder barging going in some of those corners and some right old dirty tricks going down. And I was like, yeah, I'm back at a proper bike race again. <laughs> it's really mental. I, it was it was cracking, although I think probably, I mean, we, we, we're really lucky. I thought if I had to pick out one rider, 
out of the whole event, it'd be Kerry's because you know what? For me, it illustrates how many of these riders have backstories. That is, you know, there are endurance duathletes. There are people who are, you know, they, they, they've skied marathon events. They've taken part in biathlon. There are people who are rock climbing and they're all just there with a different story and a different history. And, and Gary's like taking, I mean, I think he, it was the world championships in the triathlon world championships and the duathlon. You got medals in both those in 97. I think it was a silver in duathlon and a bronze in, in the triathlon. But then 98, 99, 2000, it was like, boom. And we saw Karis winning national time trial, national road, up in the medals, European time trial championships, because that was a bronze, I think. And then the Olympics came along as well. And it's just like, maybe we've been missing a trick here. Maybe we all ought to go do triathlon and we could just come along and just hijack half the cycling on the way through. It was really, really weird to sort of see people come in. And then just as quickly as Kerry sort of appeared, it was like, gone, disappeared. So then uh, and then we were stuck at a trophy and um, saw Kerry's riding around and it was like, yeah, Kerry's, Kerry's, Kerry's. That's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. And I've done a bit of digging and the only podium I can find in between disappearing off the world, getting abducted by aliens back at the end of like 2001 and 20, sort of 20, 21 season was a duathlon uh, championship. So I think about 2010. Yeah. So uh, right in the middle. So clearly they dropped, a back, dropped you back on the planet, Keris, on the way through. So <laughs> I, it was a huge gap. And it was like, this is weird. Uh, you look back now, Ipswich, cold, wet, muddy, cold which was last year cold cold and just really cold this year you know was that good prep doing the triathlons all that time ago or does it just seem like a different person definitely seems like a different person to be honest uh, obviously different name hence the reason that when I came back to cross I was kind of hoping people wouldn't really re- remember me <laughs> um so yeah obviously all those years ago from the triathlon background but I was always the best was the cycling you know I always enjoyed cycling the most did swimming and running as a child, put it all together. Um, and then they brought the drafting in um, on the bikes. So when I originally started, there's no drafting on the bikes. Uh, as soon as they brought the drafting in, everyone was like, oh, Keris is a good cyclist. We'll just sit behind her and we can run much better than her. So she'll be gone. And and, and that's the you know different story. So as soon as the drafting came in, I moved across to the cycling. And hence the reason then when I was doing well in the time trials, it was always my passion, the time trialing. I love the training. I love the racing. Um, and that's where I seemed to get the results. Um, and then, yeah, I think I did a lot when I was younger. I got the European medals. I got silver, um, one year I got the bronze the the year before. Um, and then the following year, um, won both nationals time trial and road race and got the Olympic selection where I did the road race and the time trial all really fantastic, but I was young. I was quite young and, um, I don't know. I think Evie spoke about it last week and the fact that a happy rider is a good rider. Um, and I think I just got to the point where I wasn't a happy rider and that's why I seemed to disappear off the face of the earth for a little while. Um, and other things happened in my life. I ended up getting married, having children, hence the reason there was a long time where I wasn't around. And then in 2010, I did, I did, um, do the duathlon in Edinburgh. And as you say, got on the podium there. Um, 
and then back and then we were at Ipswich all those years later and yet yeah, you're totally right having that triathlon background and being used to the cold the wet running around in little swimming costumes um it definitely uh, definitely helps you I'm not too worried about getting out there in the cold conditions quite happy to just you know give it a go whatever and I mean it was one of those races you went in with a lot of pressure on you yeah. surely I mean it's the world masters it's meant to be fun as well as being a world championship, but you know, you must have felt that pressure there on your shoulders. And you know, some people were lucky with the grid and they got on the front row, second row. Some people, <coughs> Neil, uh, were 123rd, 124th. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get the most out of this. Believe me, it's going to last to the end of the season, Neil. Don't you worry. But you know, you 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 rock it off down that straight and you're, you're chasing a younger the younger age group who went off a minute before it kind of meant you had a bit of work just to get through that race field and I guess having the skills to do that is something that you don't necessarily get during a triathlon particularly when it was a, a non-draft yeah I mean it was it wasn't too bad being on the second row <laughs> not compared to Neil um and yeah, I mean we, we were lucky um it was actually quite a wide circuit I felt there were a few bits sort of through the woods that were very much more single track but the rest of it was nice and wide there, there was space to overtake um and there there aren't as many women obviously as there are in the men's races so uh, you know it is a, a lot easier for us than it is for them um and actually it's quite nice to have something to aim for um you know, you see the girls in front and it just gives you that next little sort of push to I'll catch that one or I'll try and catch that one. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it wasn't too much of a problem. I quite enjoy the uh, the sort of challenge, um, but I was definitely more nervous this year than I was last year. I felt like it was um, sort of my jersey to lose, my title to lose, and I didn't want to lose it. So, um, yeah, definitely um, more nervous and felt like there was probably a little bit more expectation. I think I went into it last year um a little bit more relaxed obviously wanting to do well but not feeling there was sort of any real pressure on me yeah so has it still got that same you know, the, the the same charm i suppose you know do, do you kind of go to bed sleeping in the jersey afterwards you know like kind of the classic of uh you know, the the 20 year old you know, has it still got that sparkle to it Oh, definitely. And and almost more so. You sort of, um, when we went into it last year, it was sort of, oh, it'd be lovely to win it, to have the opportunity to wear a jersey. But then once you've actually worn it for the year, um, I really didn't want to lose it again. I'd got used to it and I, I was not wanting to, to not be able to wear it. So it was almost like so, so nice to, to win it again and know that you can have another season wearing it. Yeah. And what about um, looking at, Know, national champs and you know, national trophy series and even well even beyond that going over to try to defend it again are you, are you aiming for more I'm taking each week as it comes at the moment at the moment I'm just enjoying the fact that last week you know I did I did manage to to win and and get the jersey again I'm just enjoying that at the moment I'm not looking that far ahead it's a long way away um there's just so much going on with the family I, I can't commit to anything so at the moment obviously I'm just looking looking towards the rest of the season the national trophy this weekend and then in into the new year um Gravesend and then the national champs yeah and yeah, I mean, coming from yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're well aware of the stereotypes that the, the unkind things that 
road cyclists say about triathletes um, or that cyclocross riders say about roadies. It, you know, so in terms of developing the skills for cyclocross, is that something you particularly worked on or is it natural? Oh gosh, not natural, <laughs> not natural at all. Um, I, I was very much uh, a time trialist, as in you ride down the main road, you go around the roundabout, and you come back again, and that's as much as it was. Um, so for me to to go off road was massive, massive change, um, and I've had to really work hard. I've been doing cyclocross for. Uh, probably a good few years now with the West Midlands Cyclocross League and I used to fall off every single race and I used to have laughs with the other girls about it because it would be like which bush did I land in or how many times did I come off I mean I I, I really was bad so I've had to really really work at it and I've been really lucky that people have um have sort of really helped me um but my other problem is is having the time to actually get outside and practice I don't really have the spare time to do that so I actually find I practice in the races um that's my practice and race time, um, which seems a little bit strange. You know, people say you should get out and you should ride your cyclocross bike as much as you can. I don't get the time. I don't get the opportunity. So that's why I race as much as I, I race. One, because I love it. But two, it's time for me to ride my cyclocross bike and just try and learn more and more. Yeah, I'd really. Yeah, I, it resonates with probably everyone who's not a full-time athlete, you know, until you get onto the vet, you know what 65 70s when they were when they become full-time athletes again um, <laughs> so, yeah um I, I think it's it's true for everyone it's it, it's, it's balancing it what how much can you do you know what are other things in your life i mean you know at the moment you know as everyone knows you know i'm there in the in the gritty tent and you know, we've been having this conversation this week up at gritty hq of you know we have to trade at the moment you know that's the you know it's 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 december of course we've expected to do lots of business this month you know and you can't actually then take as much time as you might want to um in in your training um at that time and and your life has to have all elements to it you know your, your family your job and your your racing as well and sometimes it might actually be nice to to relax and do something else to try to switch off I'm not very good at that i have to say <laughs> I'm going to quote you on that a little bit later on in the season, Neil. When we get into like January, and you're going, "Oh, we're not in this training," or when your Strava keeps on going, "Ding, ding, 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 ding." Neil's been out again on his bike. When you talk about doing zero training, I mean, are we are we honestly talking zero? I mean, you're, <laughs> I'm not saying I don't train. I don't yeah, train no. on my cross bike. <laughs> okay, so how do you train? So, okay, so you don't train on the cross bike. Does I train mean- on a what bike? Okay, so everything's done indoors everything absolutely everything and that's purely just down to it works for me with work and the children not for any other reason not because I'm too scared to go out because it's too cold or it is literally it's what works for me so um my cross bike is literally just when I race uh and and it does work for me I don't train long hours um I just fit in what I can around my lifestyle um so yeah I do train (laughs) I'm not saying I don't but it's all on a what bike instead of a cross bike (laughs) Well, it it clearly works. <laughs> no I mean, are you one of these people who thinks, oh, I wish I discovered cyclocross 20 years, 30 years, 40 years ago? 
Most definitely. I, I now I think, oh, I just I spent all those hours and hours riding on the road and I'm thinking I could have been doing something completely different. I did enjoy it at the time, but I feel I really sort of missed out having not experienced the cyclocross at a young age. Um, and I just think it's such a great way when I see all the kids at the weekends when we go to the local league and I see sort of hundreds of them racing round off road. Uh, it's nice and safe. And I just think what fantastic way for them to start learning, you know, their cycling pathway is just, it's brilliant for them. And I do, you know, I'm too old now, but I can't turn the clock back, but I do think I really feel like I've missed out here because it just, it just, it's such a nice way for them. Well, there's, there's hope yet. Come on. We had our, (laughs) going back to Ipswich, I mean, you know, there was the um, winner of the, Men's and women's 80 plus category. 80 plus. That's amazing. That is a lot of racing between where you are, which is a little (laughs) bit behind Neil and me, and the 80 plus category. You've got a bit of time there. You know, that's that's a lot of cross. That's a lot of practice. Let's face it. (laughs) It's a lot of time on my cross bike to get my skills better, definitely. So, so last question before we cover the race at Earthwish. If what's the weak point? What's the bit that you keep getting wrong? Well, to be honest, both worlds, I fell off at the hurdles. So obviously the hurdles isn't very good for me, both, but both really silly falls, <laughs> really embarrassing silly falls. And that was we right by the gritty tent them. as we well. We might have mentioned them on commentary <laughs> once or twice. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> yeah, right next, right next to me watching. That's yeah. actually where it was. <laughs> so <Yeah>. embarrassing. <laughs> It happens. Every, if you don't come off, you're not trying hard enough. Uh, it's been a mantra of mine that has cost me a lot of broken bones and, and uh, more skin off my elbows than I care to remember over the years. That's it's sure. definitely nicer to fall off in a cross race than sort of on the road in a, in a road race or a time trial. So it's a positive. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. But I thought we had great racing. I, oh, I don't it was know fantastic. How you, you got to watch Kerry so, across the weekend, but... I, I was very impressed, A, with the standard of racing, B, with, with the attitude. But um, we had a bit of a – we were sitting backstage and uh, Tim was doing the tape for me, in between eating every churros in, in, in the Ipswich, I think, at one point. He was trying to work out how many times we played each anthem and which ones he was going to need. And we did work out there was going to be a lot of playing if it all went to, to plan of the, the, the British National Anthem. Um, and it kind of worked out that way a bit. We got a we got a bit of bit of a haul from you know people who regularly ride UK leagues, and you know people who we see on national trophies as well as national champs, yourself included, obviously. Yeah, I think we saw we we did see obviously a lot of British winners, but we also saw a lot of non-British winners. And I, I think last year it was the travel was really difficult last year and you know all credit to Steve Grimwood and the team for putting it on last year because I think no one would have blamed him if they'd have said well we're not sure what's going to happen but um yeah and then and, yeah there was a good mix but this year there it did seem to be there was more of a mix as as we went through and there were a lot of a, a lot of people who lost out on the sprints I, i'll tell you okay i'll tell you what i was going to say i was going to say a lot of people who need to work on their sprints but there were a lot of <laughs> british riders who just missed out in the sprint um across so many categories uh, and you know i felt for all of them i have to say um, but you know you can go through 
No, uh, should we? Let's do it. Let's go through some of these um, of the, the the British riders who finished on the podiums, um, starting at, at the, the the back the the back end. It's talking about sprints. Phil Pierce finished second. Do you know what the- that was? That was the Uber Bluff race. That was one of the best bluffing races ever. By Phil was there with two Belgians, and you just thought, what's you know, he had one guy yo-yoing off the back. Phil gave it everything. Yeah, got him into the finish. Get it was game over on the sprint, and I did feel for him because he threw everything that he could. Yeah, and um, I think and he it didn't work off in the end. And it's the same story as last year. Yeah, to be honest, Matt, I can't remember what happened in the end, but it was the same position as last year. And I spoke to him afterwards, and yeah, he was full of beans, and you know, nice chat with him. But yeah, I, I just thought, I. I you know, he's going to have to have another go. I, t- I tell you who else in the in our younger categories. In before we go a little bit older, uh, Elvita Branch. Elvita Branch did a storming ride. Elvita got a podium for Lithuania. She's basically um, rides every week for on the the Eastern Scene and the trophies. You know, regular on the mountain bike scene. She had been there putting up the course. She'd been there helping out. She was in between finishing her race and the podiums was collecting in the bits of course not being used in later races and bundling the netting up. That is cross in a nutshell. That is it but for me. You know, out there, gets but no, none of this sitting and celebrating. Yeah, I'm going to go out and marshal for a bit and I'm going to bring the course in and then, oh, yeah, I've got a podium. I better just go stand up here and get a medal at the World Championships. That's, that's proper cross. And another dead close finish. That was yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is just like so close off um of uh, uh, Cindy that I was yeah. just like you, that was the closest one we had all weekend. So let's move up an age category. We've heard a little bit already about Keris's win, but we had Katie Simcock um also getting a, a podium there in third and in the men's category it was Gary McDonald in taking a podium as as well getting a third place. Let's do Gary first. Gary and Phil Pierce have a similarity. Not just the fact that they've both got medals, but that Gary McDonald is an absolutely consummate trials rider, as is Phil Pierce. In fact, he's a trials motorbike champion, is Gary. He's, he spends half his time on a trials motorbike as he does riding. Great ride by him. And he's the sort of rider that if he ever moves down to somewhere that isn't basically Fort William, He's actually going to be in contention for a, a national trophy stroke championship if he got a really consistent long season in. Katie, you got to feel sorry for her. On the tarmac the week before, the same bit of tarmac she was starting on this time round, got taken out on a start line deviation crash. But I thought it was good ride by Katie. I mean, could you see any of what was going on behind you in that race? Well, they were in front of me to start with, to be honest. They both went off really quick, the first two girls, um, especially the Danish girl. Um, she flew out of the blocks really fast um so it took me sort of a lap to catch them but both of them were riding really strongly katie was really strong really good through the sand and a lovely lovely person as well so nice um and yeah it was it was a good battle first few laps and then i sort of established myself in the lead which was thank goodness because of the little tumble but no they they both had fantastic races um it was it was really good really strong starts moving into the 45s well, the two British champions in that, and both riders are people who I think could go on any start list at all and be up the front of that race with Kate Eady 
taking it. Oh, she was miles ahead. And Adrian Lansley, um, again, it just, uh, yeah, how does he do it? Type of, type of thing. Always looks so strong. But that was a full British podium. Um, it was it was with Adrian Lansley, David Lines, and then Paul Lloyd in third with Rob Jeb just a little bit behind um, on, on that one. So, yeah, it was a, we've clearly got some good 45-year-olds. <laughs> I'd tell you something, you wouldn't want to be born in that age category, would you? I mean, it's, you know, it's just like, it's, it's an uber category. I mean, KED, um, you know, Karis mentioned it earlier, happy rider, fast rider. And, you know, started a family, really settled, happy in a team, been in an established team for a long time, Impala. Um, oh, just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, one of those riders who's not very voluble, is not all over social media, but who just delivers time and time again. Absolutely scary, scary stuff. And then, you know, Adrian Lansley, what'd you say? He's just ridiculous. There's just the man's just a machine. We're <laughs> just like, what's gonna ever stop him? I don't know. You see him beaten very occasionally, but it was a course you knew once that course was dry, it didn't pour down with rain, there wasn't a lot of running. You just thought he's just in a in a league of his own. And then Davey Lyons really pleased for him. I mean, I remember working on teams when he was at Jura. Um, I was mechanic back then. He's been. It seems like he's been around forever. Um, he's always there. And then you got Paul Lloyd, somebody who had a terrible crash on the mountain bike, you know, and has come back from that absolutely flying. I mean, I thought it was a great race to watch. Really, really good race to watch. Um, almost on a par with the um, Vet Fifties. Yeah, the the highlight of the weekend, obviously. Um... <laughs> The biggest field in the men's race, um, which was Danny Slex out-sprinting Nick Craig. I tell you, there's not often that Nick Craig has to contest a sprint like this, and he didn't look very happy afterwards, I have to say. Um, yeah, as gracious as Nick always is, but at the same time, uh, yeah, there was there was some fire in those eyes. Um, uh, Second uh, two years John, in a row, and he's yeah. come up against. I mean, he came up against Danny Sleeks this time, and yeah. then it, last year he was up uh, uh, against um, uh, against the Panzer Wagon himself. So I Jens. think you'd, you know, Jens is he's mm. he's on another. He's he's again another sort of super fast rider. So I just thought, yeah, it's I felt for Nick, and then one of our um, one of the people we've had on the show earlier on in the season, Alison Kinlock with a podium. I was so pleased for Alison, I have to say, because she's on some scary form. She's really good. She's got, she's going so well at the moment and uh, coming down. Um, I actually had a tip off that she was probably going to be in the hunt, if not there. And I was just thinking, is it going to be a win? Is it going to be a win? And it wasn't, I, I didn't know whether to be over happy or, or sad to be fair. Yeah, well, Alison, I think, had a bit of quite a different emotion at the finish. She was absolutely delighted to get that second place. Uh, but she was way behind the winner, the German winner. So it was never in question. You know, it wasn't like a head-to-head race. It was, uh, you know, get the job done and then keep it rubber side down uh, and could come in for that second place. Yeah, uh, as you say, Matt, it was really great to see and she's on some great form at the moment and i think her smile was only maybe matched by either miriam whitehurst or uh, or uh, a certain mr hales simon hales because they were both uber happy i mean uh, you know 
Simon Hale coming across the line. He was punching the air. You thought he won the race the way he came down that straight, but he, that was his race, and he wanted a medal. He came here with a medal. It's a really, really tough category. I was just really impressed by Simon. You know, you know, he's made out of tough stuff. He rides to the Army Cycling Union, you know, break and kill with his bare hands in about ten thousand ways. But you know what? He gets on that bike. He's really, really keen. I love the fact that he brings the entire family down. He's got his grandkids coming along. They're brilliant. You know, it's like the, the loudest supporters on site, some of the youngest supporters on site, and he always brings them down. They're all rating and they're riding in the local leagues. And again, it's what Cross is about, bringing everyone in. And then Miriam Whitehurst and taking the, another jersey. Uh, Kate Dixon, uh, bronze in the Do you know what? 55. Miriam yeah. Whitehurst, I remember a few years ago she was racing, and I think it was the Nationals we were at Ardingley or the Nationals Trophy at Ardingley before, the, before we had Nationals there. And she rose so strongly. But this season, I'm sure she swapped out. She she just looked like the Terminator on wheels. Honestly, we used to call Maddie Smith the Terminator. I'm sorry, Maddie, you might have lost your title because Miriam was uber-focused. They weren't retinas in her eyes. They were laser targets. She knew what she wanted to do. She was gone. Honestly, she was just like, this is a woman on a mission. She's going to achieve what she wants to get today. There was nothing going to stop her. I think we could have probably just sent her off for a couple of laps around sort of some far woodlands and we should still come out in the lead because she was just like, I am going to achieve this. And then on the podium, she's like, just really lovely again. And you're just like, that switch is a bit like we used to see from Maddie Smith. Maddie is a really, really lovely person. But put her in a bike race, I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of whatever she's going to dish out to get to the front. No way. And you're not going to stop her, no matter what you throw at her. And, and brilliant to see. And uh, and somebody, I think that was really well deserved win there, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And moving up into the actually no, before we move on, um, and I have to say, uh, you know, sorry, Kate, I was shouting for Tracy, my teammate who was in the sprint um, <laughs> at the end there. No, obviously, got to stay loyal to the team. Um, so uh, Tracy Fletcher just missed out um, on that podium to Kate Dixon. But if there. you look at that. Kate Dixon came back. I mean, Kate Kate hadn't had the best start. She, she she rode through, really experienced, pulls it out at the Worlds, always. And really impressive, really impressive ride by her. And you're up against a multi-time world champion in uh, Tracy Fletcher. It's not like Tracy doesn't know every trick in the book. She doesn't know what she's doing. She knows how to ride a bike. You know, she teaches how to ride a bike. She knows how yeah. to ride a bike. She's won world championships plenty of times. And it was the same story for me, I'm afraid, for the women 60s. My teammate Sally Reed just just missing out on the on the sprint. Um so finished in fourth. Um but yeah, more great racing there. And Susie got up in Luxembourg rider. Yeah. How much of a legend is she? <laughs> After the race, she was ba- she was trying she was basically organizing uh a vet fifty plus women's training camp in Luxembourg. It was yeah. like before was we just, knew it. It was like, <laughs> yeah, come over to Luxembourg. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. I, I thought the spirit in the racing was great there, and um, I have to admit the um, the commentary for that that sprint that Sally lost out on. I did have to detach my head because probably about the same time that I was seeing Keris coming into triathlon, 
I was a 17-year-old, 15-year-old mountain biker, probably, 16-year-old mountain biker, and, and I had a pin, no, picture on my wall of Sally on the wall. Sally knows this. I'm not giving anything away here. Honestly, I've, you've never seen Sally blush? I could make Sally blush because she was a pin-up girl for me on the wall. And I was showering and coming down the street. They had to call her not coming across and take the sprint win. You then go into 65s. Wow. Oh, we missed John McGraw. Oh, sorry, John. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to the 65s. I I don't even know who to say first. Nicola Davies, again, another rider who I don't know how she does it. If I could ride half as good as Nicola could ride half the time now, I would be a very happy man. She took the win over Lydia Gould. Lydia Gould, another absolute legend. And of course, Carolyn Spears in third. I mean, that is a who's who of trailblazing riders in the women's competition. And it matches the men's. I mean, Chris Reggett, you know, Chris Reggett, is, he was definitely in black and white, the first pictures I can find of Chris. It's that long ago. In fact, they might even be in sepia. He's he's, he's that old. He'll, he'll have a go at me for that. But it's true. And then you've got Pete Harris, um, fueled by red wine. So clearly didn't quite have enough bottles of red because he's definitely fueled by those bottles. And then Robin Delph, another multi-time champion in that race. I mean, what a... Yeah, I, I aspire to be that good. When I'm 70, right, and these guys are 90, I might have a chance of beating them. Maybe. Mm. No. And, uh, yeah, we've, <laughs> we've, talked, we've talked on this, you know, I don't want to talk them up too much really, but, you know, we've talked on the show before about how people uh, were inspirations to their previous generations, you know, and I think Karis has mentioned it with one of the previous shows. Yeah, and we've got people who are those inspirations. Um, but it, 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 it's the same for, you know, masters or vets, Riders, so you look at people like, you know, Robin Delve and Peter Harris and even and Kirby Bennett, who was fourth in that race. You know, and for people who are, you know, 10, 20 years younger, you think that's amazing. You know, keeping on, yeah, they're racing so well at that age. And it's like, like somebody who should still going, be in that you know. age group, Dave McMullen, he's proper Peter Pan. I mean, never mind Nick being Peter Pan. <laughs> Dave McMullen, I'm sure that man is getting younger. Uh, he's not getting any older. He's getting younger. He doesn't look, he's just like this, this whippet. And he looked to be on real form. And uh, I think Dave had a point to prove uh, in, in his race. But then I think probably my favorite podium was Dennis Smith taking the win in the Vet 75s. Sorry, Keris. Might have to revise this. This is somebody who, on the Mountain Bike Series, you can turn up on a Thursday, I mean, probably a Wednesday, to be honest, on site, think, I'm really early. And then out from behind a tree, I'll come to this, going, oh, I just thought I'd walk around the course and have a look at it. How are you? It's just like, me. This man, you know, we talk about professional riders. This, he's out there, sussing it out. This is somebody who can jump doubles. Set Vet 75, jump doubles. Keris, take heed. <laughs> Doing doubles. <laughs> Honestly, I see him on a pump track. It's like, I just sort of started going, Okay, wow. And then Vic Barnett. I mean, you know, the Barnett family are just like legendary within cycle sport, full stop, from the junior and the women's sickle classic that, that Dean has been so instrumental in, right the way through Vic, who's won multiple titles. Great to see. But they weren't even our oldest riders, were they? No, and then we get Michael Smith winning a stripey jersey um, in the men 80-plus. I mean, that's... That's something to aspire to, isn't it? Although the way things seem to be at the moment, I mean, will that still have over a hundred entrants when when I get <laughs> to be 
Yeah, just thinking about all that race field that are going to be racing. If it's Mr. Grimwood, please, can we, in however many years' time, come back to Ipswich just so that Neil can go? And I'm not 123rd on the grid, but I am racing <laughs> in the vet 80s or 90s or whatever. If you've not seen it, um, Simon Richardson was racing. Uh, in fact, I was, I, I, I'm related to one of the um, commissaires who was coming, one of... Um, Simon's races earlier this year and they said and he, he wasn't on the grid you know, he didn't have any gridding <clears throat> um, and he says to him no, are you here just to ride around or are you here to race and he looked deadly serious and I'm racing yeah and so he said okay well I'll give you a second row grid then um, but <laughs> rather than just popping him in at the back um, and he car he was he was going quick um, Simon if, um, I was, if yeah, you I, haven't looked up Simon you know GCN have a policy that, that to be on board, you have to be an ex-pro. It's that straightforward. Basically, you have to have ridden. There are very few people in that organization who can't say that they've been at the very top level of the sport. Simon is definitely one of those. And and you look at him on the start line and you looked at him right and you're thinking, yeah, it's it doesn't. I don't care. It's a bit like Keris, you know. She can go off, get abducted by aliens, go have a family, go go have an entire lifetime, come back. She's going to come back, and, and you know it's going to be hard work for somebody trying to stay on her wheel. It's it, you know, that that phrase that you know, form is temporary, class is permanent. Simon is in that category. That is, if you weren't able to be at the Masters World Champs, I thought it was gave a really good snapshot of what it was like there, what the course was like. Um, and some really great head-to-head racing between him and Nick Blight, who we mentioned on the last show. So um, I, I know is, exactly. Yeah. It was it was one of those things. I was stood in the commentary box, going, "You can't write this. This is, makes my job so easy because yeah. you're there. You know how many up giving Simon a hard time. You've got Nick, you know, coming along and having a go. He's on his best foot. It's like you know, a I've got material to work with. B it's great racing." Right in yeah. front of you, all the way around. So now, brilliant, brilliant, and well done to Steve Grimwood and all the team of uh, yeah. an Eastern Cyclocross Association. Um, Let's move overseas. Um, we had the next round of the Boom of the Super Prestige that was coming from Boom, and in round four, it was Pitcock who took his second win of the season ahead of Van der Haar and Isabet, and we saw Annick Van Alphen take her biggest win of her career so far ahead of Betsema and Van Anroy wasn't perhaps the most enthralling racing of the year, but it was great to see young riders, you know, Nick Van Alphen taking her first win. I mean, that, that feeling must be great. You know, you, you know, Keris, you think back, you know, it's like you've got riders like Anik, you know, been on almost there and then gets that big win. Yeah, it was a fantastic ride for her. Really, uh, really good. And really nice to see her up there. I th- I thought it was quite interesting racing. If you're a connoisseur, uh, if you're an uber geek, you might have thought, yeah, this is great. Boone is one of those weird courses, I think. And it, it, it's, you kind of think it's going to be amazing. And I, I, I of- I'm often disappointed by it. And, I kind of came away from watching it thinking, yeah, it's probably a good job I had plenty of sleep last night because I would have fallen asleep in the middle of that one. It I, looked different. You know, I just, yeah, it, I don't it know what It didn't done. look like bone because it hadn't, normally it's a mud fest there and for some reason it wasn't. 
uh, well, the weather, we know. <laughs> You're meant to be the smart one, Neil, in this, in this, in this duo presenters and, you know, you and me. <laughs> and, but, and we had, uh, yeah, Pidcock again um, having a little lie down on the cobbles. This time it was Van der Poel who slid out. And yeah, thankfully he was okay. Uh, it didn't look like it though, when it first happened. But, yeah, he had that slide out on those cobbles, slippery cobbles, and it didn't look like he was being reckless. It didn't look too bad, but it slid out, took took down Pidcock with him, but he managed to ride to the finish, thankfully. Yeah, and then you saw, you know, people like Lucid de Brand not having a good season. You know, you've got riders up there who perhaps are not everybody's favourite. Um but I did think it was interesting that you've seen the differences between Super Prestige riders, X2O, World Cup. We just, if anything is starting to come a bit clear, it's who's focusing on what, who wants what. And you can't ride and win everything. Not even Van der Poel, Van Aert, you know, Lucinda, PFP, whoever. You know, it's not going to happen. But, but you know, you've got Betsima. She's been first or second every single Super Prestige so far now uh, and is turning up to all of them and people who are just skipping them. They're focusing on the World Cup and it might we might get to the position, and I think we are getting to the position, where there are people not bothering to go to the World Cup because they're, even if it's only in Ireland, because they're, they know they're way down on the points. So it's, it's, I think it's a, maybe it's a careful what you wish for situation with too many rounds in some of these where it can be settled so early in the season. But we did pop over to Antwerp the, the following day and where there were more people there uh, from those those front runners. And can you believe it? it's round eight? We never used to even have round eight rounds in the World Cup. Round eight of the World Cup when Van Empel took the win from Peters and Sheeran Van Anroy. Same old, same old podium again. Um, and Van der Poel took his second World Cup win of the season ahead of Wout Van Aert and Van Turnout. And yeah, great to see Van der Poel taking the win in the sense that he was back up and riding after the crash the previous day. It did reinforce, though, that when you get Wout Van Aert out and you get Matthew Van der Poel out, um, we've had Tom interrupting them. But, you know, we talk about Steve Grimwood's Ipswich promotions, you go back to the European Championships that were uh, over at Chantry Park. That was the Matthew van der Poel and Mark van Aert show. But I suppose they've always had those skills, haven't they? They've been doing it for so long. They've always got those skills to turn back on. And then they've got the, the, the fitness in the season. And then I guess maybe they've got specific sessions just to bring that true cross form in. Um, but I guess because they've been doing it for so many years, they know their bodies really well. They know what they need to do to make it work for them. Um, I don't know. They're just amazing, aren't they? Yeah. They are, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. You compare the Van Empel, Peters, Van Unroy podium. It's the same podium. But the racing is amazing. It's great. And it's not really the, – the results look predictable, but the racing isn't. And I think for me that's the difference, whereas the racing is more predictable uh, in the men's. Um, and, okay, I've got, uh, I've got a question oh. for you then. What happened to Pidcock? What happened to Pidcock? I mean, you look at those results and you would expect – no, we talk about you know, the, the, the results hide the action in the race – you look at the results from that race and it would appear that Pidcock 
something must have happened to him. Do you know what I think's happened to him? He's become a tall climber. I really do. I, I truly and honestly, if you had to say what is, why is Tom struggling? It's because he can ride up the outdoors and make everybody look mortal. He can descend and ride tour stages like a tour contender. But he talks Didn't, about making mistakes. He's talking about making regular, making too many mistakes. We all know what it's like. You make a mistake, you lose time. You, you make one, it's okay. You make two, not so good. You make mistake after mistake and you get a chain of them going. All of a sudden, you're going to keep on making them and you lose time and that's all energy you've got to get back. You know, I mean, can you imagine how far in front Keris would have been if she hadn't have uh, decided to have a cuddle with that second hurdle on the way through in the world? So it would have been giving her another, what, 10 seconds probably up, up the road because there's not just the time you're losing the mistake, but there's the recovery time, the damage it's done to your body, the checking the bike, making sure everything gets split back in, all those sorts of things, that little worry in your head. And okay, you get a nice little kick of adrenaline, but, you know, it's, I think it's, I think for Tom, he's been so focused because he's so focused on what he does when he does it. He's done it so much. It's actually affected his cross. The following weekend, we popped over to Dublin and we shifted from a planned London visit to Dublin and we saw a return of the mud. But the conditions were changing throughout the whole weekend. Very different racing to what some expected, but we still saw Van Impel extend her lead in the overall winning ahead of Peters and Betsema and Van Aert take a win ahead of the Series Liga Sweek and of course Pidcock. So yeah, in contrast to what we were just talking about, you know, I thought it was amazing. Okay, alert for dad joke coming up. Okay, so get ready to laugh. Um the amazing thing was that even with a series of misfortunes, Welt Refused to, here he comes, throw in the towel. Oh, gosh. <laughs> there he There's bad dad jokes and there's bad dad jokes. That's terrible. It's like, you know, just... I, do you know what? It was predicted that you would do that as well. I hate to tell you that. <laughs> Tim yeah. predicted that. Mr. Mr. Prediction himself predicted you say that. So, sorry, mate. <laughs> uh, I'd say it was a racing... You know, when I talked about Boom being the opposite of what I expected, I thought Boom would be like Dublin and Dublin like Boom. And it was the other way around. Dublin, oh, two best races of the season. Loved it. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, you know, full of everything in there. There was nothing that I think that didn't happen and lots of things that you rarely see. You know, uh, Wat Van Aert's back wheel, sideways, almost high sides, puts his left foot in behind the seat, stay jams it into the spokes, then keeps riding and comes back from it. Um, you know, the uh, the Creelan team trying to equal the um, unpopularity of the Pal Sousen squad by basically throwing a towel into Wout's handlebars and on his wheels. I mean, if that's where it came from, allegedly, of course, and all that sort of malarkey. But do you know what? It was great to watch, and it gave him what I loved watching the coverage in was there, and you could tell there was this silence beforehand, and, and I hope it was in or... Uh, or uh, Rob going, look, we, we're going to have to talk about this and we are going to tell them why you just ran backwards down the course because half the people won't know this. It was either that or the director shouting their ears. Somebody explain why you just ran backwards down that course. And Ian, of course, he knows it. And, and Ian was absolutely spot on. You know, it is the only point you can run backwards down a cross course is between the yellow flags. But that was in there as well. And then, I mean, the, the pits, 
everyone went in. You're saying, they're coming around the corner. He's like, who's going in? Uh, who's not going? Oh, they've all gone in. Okay. And then, like, there was somebody, I don't know if it was Pim Romar, hurdled somebody else's bike that went down in front of him. If you, if you watch the coverage back, because I've watched that race twice now, the, the way he hurdled it, Honestly, never mind being a triathlete and a duathlete and a cyclocross rider. That's nothing, Gary. Sorry. You know, hurdling, the ability to hurdle a bike that somebody just jumped off at about 15, 20 miles an hour in the pit, surrounded by a pit crew. That's some some skill. You know, that's you can't get that on a what bike either. <laughs> Guarantee it. Definitely not. But, I mean, amazing race. The women's race. Ah, just... I've watched that three times. <laughs> it's just brilliant. Just, I mean, that rivalry in there. You know, you just, you 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 wait and you wait, and then you see a rivalry like Fan Ampel and Peters. I mean, they were taking chunks out of each other. That was, you know, you're like, these these guys are friends. They, they really know each other really well. And yet, when they got on that course, they were bumping and cutting each other up and, you know, yeah, just you know, it could be alleged maybe that uh, you know Fan Van Empel paid Betsimer to throw a bike in front of uh, Peters as she was coming into the hurdles. I mean, that was that was something else again. I mean, I've not seen anything like that for a long time, where somebody runs from the left hand side of the course on hurdle one to the right hand side of the course on hurdle two and throws the bike out sideways just coincidentally when there's somebody who can bunny hop the hurdles on a different team coming up behind. And about to come through. How yeah. that was not a DQ, I do not know. Because if that is not impeding another rider, that that looks as dodgy as it comes. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I think it's there's a. It was also defending a line. Oh, yeah, and that what which you know, line? What left, right line, right line, yeah, middle? Okay, line. you come into some hurdles like that. You know, if you're the only person that bunny hops them, of course, everyone else is going to get off and run them. And if you're in that situation, you know, when you stick your bike on your shoulder or, you know, when you lift your bike to go over the hurdles, it's not your job to say, oh, here we go. You know, you, you go through. It's your job to try to stay ahead as a professional rider. And so I, to be honest, I thought that Peter's, had a bit of a brain fade going into that and even thinking that she could bunny hop them, get a clear run through it. Of course, she's not going to get a clear run through it. It was absolutely congested. She wasn't at the front of the bunch. How is she going to overtake people when she's not at the front? I, I didn't. So, I, so next time I'm, do you know what? Next time we're racing, Neil, or next time we're out on the mountain bikes, I'm going to come from far left-hand side. And just as you're coming into a technical bit, particularly if we're racing, I'm going to go right across the face of you, deliberately cut you up, or maybe even just stop in front of you, or hold my bike out to the side in your way. At some point, that becomes obstructing and not fair racing, because where does it stop? Yeah, at some point. stop in the middle of the course and hold your bike side and go, sorry, guys, my teammate's down the road. See you. Just wait a little bit. Uh, It's just racing because I'm taking my own line. There's there's a point point where that comes there. Right. Okay, so... There's stuff that is definitely wrong. No, if you stopped and you held your bike out, as you described, yeah, of course, that's obvious that's wrong um, to help your teammate. 
if you're a lapsed rider getting in the way, you know, you shouldn't be doing that either. But if you are in a section and you know that you are slower than another rider going into a technical section, you try your damnedest to get in front of them before the technical section because that's good strategy. Or you could do, um, who was this with? Um, I'm going back to mountain bike race a lot of years ago now. Just a, a, it was a regional mountain bike race. Um, Peter Steed, that was it. I know Peter listens to the show. I could tell you now what I did to you, Pete. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I know because Pete rides Sherwood Pines like every day. Um, he knows every corner. He can ride that loamy stuff really well. I can't because I don't live anywhere near any of those conditions. And there was a race that I knew I had to be in front of him as we we're coming into the finish. Uh, otherwise, he was just going to ride away from me. So I went into the. I made sure I got ahead of him before the loamy, rooty tree section. And I actually, it was single track. It was on the mountain bike, so this is okay. Single track. And I thought, I'm not going to risk anything here. I'm going to slow up. No, while we're racing for our 70th position or whatever it was, I'm going to slow up and recover and recover and recover. Because I knew as soon as we came out of that section, I then had the advantage, particularly if I was recovered. Yeah, so in that situation, it's perfectly okay to make sure that in those situations where you've got the advantage and someone else has or you've got the disadvantage rather, you're you're ahead, so the other person can't use their skills. You see it all the time, trying to get ahead of someone into the hurdles, trying to run up the bank first, trying to get into the sand first. I think they're all on a par. If you had this continuum of what's okay and what isn't, I'd say that probably isn't towards the no issue, but I'd say we're a long way off from it being something that should end up in a DQ. Maybe I'm just biased because this team are well known for... Uh, easing off and letting their teammate go down the, the course. There's a the team, uh, they have a rider who's got uh, past history for uh, being uh, having off-season uh, bans. You know, maybe it's just the bad guys always going to get tired with a bad brush. If, you know, that's maybe that's the case, or maybe reputation's right, going and it's, I don't know. It's team culture. It's team culture as well. You, know, you look at that team culture, they issue everyone with their own bus, with their own um, camper van. Yeah. You don't get to share. Yeah, you know, it's it's a very different way of way of working. Yeah, you know, it's, it's you know, if you got uh, got told off by your team boss for doing that, then uh, maybe it would be different. I don't think that they would have been. So yeah, oh, I think no, there, there could not be at a, all, not at all. And, yeah. and I'll have to hold my hand up because I, I would be the worst for making sure that somebody didn't come around me on a bit of single track stroke sprinting in in front of them, stroke put them into a tree. So I can't say anything. Come on, Kerry, get get off the feds. Come on. <laughs> no, all I was I was going to similar to Neil, I suppose, in the respect of when I saw them all coming into the hurdles, I did think, gosh, that looks really chaotic, and Puck's really brave to to still um, you know bunny hop them. I I did think. I certainly would have been jumping. Oh, I certainly wouldn't be bunny hopping them anyway. We know that. But um, yeah, I thought <laughs> I was just thinking that was a brave move. So when she did come down, I did sort of think, you know, but but fair play to her for having a go. Um, so, yeah, difficult one. In the heat of the moment, you know, bikes everywhere, people everywhere. I don't, you, you, it's hard to say whether it was something that, she, you know, was done on purpose or whether it was just purely just saw that there was a, a space i don't know I, i'm on the fence <laughs> and i'm not climbing <laughs> off either really, side 
And, and I think it probably, in the end, didn't really affect the outcome that much, I have to be honest. It I made mean, the race exciting, the two, to be fair. The, you know, Peters looked to have the upper hand on some of the part of the course. Van Empel had the upper hand on the other parts of the course. You saw them ride. I, I just thought it's it, it summed up the whole, you know, we could talk about, I, I could quite happily be on this show recording this for the next three hours, about as longer than the racing talk for both races. Because I thought it was the same in the men's race. I mean, when do we see a pack of eight or nine riders coming round and the people having a go and he's a bit fading and then coming back and then going to attack? Tom going on the attack, all the issues about Wout going off, his feet looking really good, his feet defending that, that battle for Jersey. I mean, the course was nothing. Realistically, it was. It looked so innocuous. It, on the previews, it just looked like a really, really boring route. And you just thought, yeah, okay. I know, watched it. I was like, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Better than sliced was, bread. Yeah, I mean, it was Hollywood. It? It, you, I, I don't know what you could. I mean, it was so cliched in terms of the, you know, coming back. It's just, it only would have been more cliched if it was the, the, the underdog who had come and won it. But yeah, it was like Rocky. Yeah, you kind of, you get knocked down as, as well. And then it kind of comes back and comes back and comes back. And, but I want to know, you know, who is it that makes Wout's shoes? Because there's something magic about whenever he gets a shoe in his wheel. You know, go back to Zolder 2016 and kind of right way back in the course. Maybe and the metal- comes back maybe and wins, the, wins the world champs. Or yeah. here he gets his foot in his wheel and comes back and he gets a towel in his wheel. There's something magic about chuck something in. Chuck something in Wout's wheel. You know, 2016, it was only one foot that went into it. This time he gets a foot and a towel in it. You know, can can he do the hat trick of a foot and you, a towel? You'd be, you you be really careful what you wish for. You <laughs> said that earlier on. That, that could be with the, the case there. Uh, okay, I, uh, someone we haven't mentioned, you know, Cameron Mason. Yes and no. Because, to be honest, Cam has ability to burn and... I would never discount him from a top 10 ride because he is just one of the nicest, the most dedicated riders. We've talked to him on the Crosscast before and he is a really, really nice guy who can ride really, really well. And, you know, you look at what he did in the National Trophy, he, he can ride clear of the domestic field quite often. And I think he's taking time out as well in a smart way. He's not burning himself out during the season and he's managing his, his efforts really well. I think that's really impressive. I, I, I had to say Jensen Young for me, amazing ride. And uh, probably, um, you know, Millie Cousins, we expect to be right up in that Imogen Wolf. You know, Imogen is a, a, a rider who does a lot of thinking as well. We were down at the National Mountain Bike about two, three years ago. She was out walking around the course, looking at the features, having a little think about it, having a wander through, picking the brains of other riders of how they were going to do it. I was really impressed by her ride um, in in her race. And I think it was really good to see so many UK riders over there and riding. And if only to, uh, the only downside was it was tempered by the fact that the field sizes were smaller. And really, you're in that, why were they smaller to get to Dublin? Is it just because of the last-minute switch of venue? Is it because of the uncertainty running in? Is it because it's or it's it's more difficult to get to from the continent? I don't know. It's it's a difficult one because I would have loved to see 
more riders out there. And I think that course, which changed anyway, could have handled more riders on that course simultaneously. I think that would have been, you know, it would have made it even more spectacular and even more fun to watch. But, you know, um, a, a cracking job. I would, you know, great riding by all those, the, the UK riders. And I mean, go to our, our juniors. Yeah, and, uh, yeah uh, uh, just before we go oh, on to right. the, 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 the juniors, we, yeah, we've got, we had Zan Kreese uh, you know, finishing on the lead lap of the World Cup. Yeah, the, the, it does, yeah yep. And you had Van Empel and Peters at the front, absolutely you know, going for it. You know, this wasn't a, like a slow race, even though Not the field wasn't stacked. You know, top 20, okay, maybe it would have been a top 30 or 40 or whatever if it was a, a if it was a massive field like we might see if it, in Belgium. But lead lap, that was amazing. You know, Zan was on the show a few weeks ago. And I have to say, respect to Cycling Island for giving opportunity to so many local riders. You know, okay, uh, you know, at the back of the field, but you know, respect. That was a wonderful experience for those riders, something they'll, well, it will either be a stepping stone for the rest of their career or it will be something they'll look back on for the rest of their life. You know, I think that was total respect to them for giving so many an opportunity um, to have a decent race um, on such a spectacle. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at somebody like Anya Doherty, a rider who's grown up racing in Ireland and in the UK on the mountain bike and on the cross bike, real young rider, racing on home ground, cheered on by the Irish fans. You know that, I mean, the VC Glendale corner there was, it was loud. It was loud even on the TV. And that experience, you've just got to hope it, it, it does do that, that inspirational thing of keep them riding because, you know, it's you're up against the best in the world. You've, you've not just got the best series leaders, but we've also got riders who are absolutely immense, you know, uh, in terms of just individual performances. You know, some riders can pull it out on individual races, and they do so. I mean, you know, you look at uh, Garris's results, you know, yeah, a rider who can clearly pull it out when, it, when the going gets big, it's there. You don't have to ride every race flat out, but my goodness, when it's a championship, do you bet against them? No way. No way on this earth because you can pull it out on those races. And I think if that gives these riders the inspiration to focus and really push on and get that, it's got to be brilliant. You know, I mean, some riders like Kat Ferguson, we know is going to get race, race after race after race. She's going to be right on the limit. She's going to push it all the way to the tape, you know, proper tape to tape stuff. Every single race and other riders have peaks and troughs. And, and that's what makes it so exciting. We don't know what's coming next from them. And that's true in the World Cup. You know, these riders that have just raced in Ireland in, in, absolutely brilliant cross conditions, albeit really cold, are going to go over to very different conditions for the next round if they're going to go race there. And I think that's that's what's great about cross, you know. And we've got the, the return of our big riders as well, which is, you know, even better. And then if we look at the juniors, we have well, Oli Akers and Seb Grindley, first and second. Uh, yeah, there's no surprise, really, that they could get a first and second, but... Ollie Akers and Seb Grindley, first and second in a, in a World Cup. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, kind of you get complacent to it somehow. But on the other hand, you, yeah, yeah, aren't they amazing? You don't. You know? <laughs> this is a World Cup. You know, we, we talk about the young 
the young female riders, people like uh, Imogen Wolf, Cat Ferguson, the junior riders, and you talk to again and another of our really young riders. You talk about the Ollie Akers and the So Grinleys. These are names that people race against on their local league, you know. And it's that same effect, you know, a bit like, you know, you have people like Eve talking about racing against Keris or, you, you know, we go out and, and, and you're racing against people that you know about. These youngsters go out and race and the, the real little ones, the seven, eight, nine, ten year olds all going, oh, that's Ollie Akers, he would have worked. Then Ollie will come past on like a no-handed wheelie going down the straight, just going like, yeah, yeah, oh, hi. And, you know, they'll talk. And that inspiration, that, that role model that they're presenting, they, you don't have to be able to do a non-handed wheelie. Thank goodness for <laughs> Keris Aitel. Um, you're getting seriously picked on for just trading on the walk bike. Don't worry. So anyway, never mind the ability to ride on one wheel with no hands on the handlebars, holding a pair of flares or doing whatever. Far more impressive is anybody who can answer the question to Neil's fiendish quiz question last time round. Um, I'm not going to embarrass Keris by asking him because basically there is no embarrassment not knowing the answer I'll to Neil's quiz. Neil. <laughs> no, 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 is as sad as you, Neil, in knowing this. Honestly, I asked Uber Geek Tim and he couldn't give us an answer to it either. He couldn't get it right. It is fiendish. So the quiz question was, Neil. When did, uh, before, um, a couple of races ago, when did, was the last time that we had the world champion jersey win the men, elite men's race and the elite women's race at the same time? And the answer was, it was dum, 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 dum. 2021. It doesn't sound like that long ago, but it was January of 2021. Um, so it's kind of two seasons back at Hammer. And I did say, it's pretty tr- tricky, this, but who was it? And it was Van der Poel and Celine de Carmen Alvarado. So you, know, you go back and it was it, it sounds like it wasn't that long ago, January 21. But actually, when Celine was world champs, you think, yeah, things, things have changed quite a lot since then. They have, not just not just in the racing, but with Sailing's form. Yeah. I mean, she's been through a really tough time and just starting to come ups back downs, into, yeah. into form. Yeah, ups and downs, definitely. Anybody got it right, Neil? I don't, we can work th- it. I don't think so. Okay, well, here's, here's another one then. Here's oh, no. another fiendish quiz for this week. Right, I've mentioned this in the last show, so you can get back and listen to that again. Um, what was the last race that had what we call the, the, the big three as was? Pidcock, Van Aert. And Van der Poel. Now, before this season, what was the previous race that all three of them um, raced in? Uh, hopefully, that's a bit. That's really easy, um, honest. A bit easier. No. Um, yeah, I think I probably know yeah. actually. I'm not going to answer that on, on air. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, speaking of, um, the, the, I mean, well, I, I, I say this, you know, the, this so-called big three because I've been thinking, you know, who who would we say the big three are in the women's? Um, competitions at the moment on the women on the cross bike because it's really I was I was yeah. when I wrote this down in my notes I thought you know who are the who are the favourites at this stage of the year you know it's not like oh Van der Poel was still a favourite for world champs let's say irrespective of what happens you know you got Brandon Voss tell you, and, you yeah know, tell you me. who they were like, yeah yeah Brand Voss and Pauline Fran Prevost. Yeah. Would you bet on any one of those three, though, now? No. Would you put your house on one of the big three winning the next however many races are going? Yeah, of course you would. It's very different, isn't it? That's, that's a really good one. I mean, the big three now, surely, 
Wow. Fen van Empel. How many wins is it? 20 this season? Something crazy like that. Put Peters. Because she's basically, I don't think she's been off a podium and taken a win. And Sharon van Anroy, who is the only other rider who's been even close. And that doesn't even allow for the fact that Betsima has been so close to a podium or top five on every race in just about every series. But mm. I would probably go, we've got three really young riders, current top three, but but would you bet on them when you bring out the big guns? You know, Lucinda Brand comes back after training, after com- having a bad comeback, pulling for Ampravo. I mean, you know, uh, have to say, didn't look great in Dublin. Didn't look great in Antwerp. Um, and yet she's just come off the back of the most amazing mountain bike season. Um, you know, XCC, XCM, XCO. So basically three of the hardest discipline to go across. You're talking about a race of five hours and 20 minutes at either end of the spectrum, plus hour and a half in the middle. You come off that, yeah. you go into the cross. But I saw a, a social media post by her today, and it showed a picture of as she had some riding going up and down the, the Dublin, and she put on there, looks like I am going to be ready for the cyclocross to be at the front of the race, dot, 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 in the summer. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, and, and to be able to take the mickey out yourself when you are clearly not where you want to be, that's, yeah. No, I, I hadn't seen that. I'm, I'm glad to hear it because she looks pretty miserable. Yeah. The bike, didn't she? yeah, she. It's yeah. It's it's not the Pauline Ferran Prevot we know, and that would put her into the big top three. Come mm. on, Keris, top three. What well, you'd have a bet against Voss, would you? An on four. I try to just because Neil's a fanboy. <laughs> but that's only just out of badness because no, would you? Would you? Have you? Uh, have you raced against Voss? No, no. So she came onto the scene as a youngster, sort of just after I'd finished. So a couple of years after I'd stopped, she she was uh, racing. So obviously I've watched her for, for many, many years. Um, but you're glad uh, you weren't racing against her then. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. But um, yeah, you'd never bet against her, would you? I think she picks her races quite well. And, and you know, she certainly obviously knows how to peak when she needs to. Um so, yeah, I think if it came down to a big one, you, you wouldn't bet against her. Talking about people trying to get the jerseys, though, we have the USA national champs, Clara Honsinger and Curtis White were the two winners over there in the elite competition. Um, Curtis White, he was on the show last year, wasn't he? Um, and, yeah, it was kind of, a, in some ways, it's like about time, but... On the other, yeah, because it's he's been so close, so close, so close. So really delighted for Curtis um, to to get that. Two other national champs in the US were Kristin Weber and Bob Featherston. Why are they of relevance? They were both at the Masters World Champs. Um, neither of them won their categories, but they've now got their jersey. Um, so. Kristin and Bob, well done on those. Bob in the 70 to 74 category. He was up sixth in the world champs over here. Now, for these you know, masters and the masters of the masters, someone who we will all, well, all of us will know here and most people will know is Mick Ives. And Mick, of course, is been running uh, Team Juicen for a long time and that came out of other teams and Mick's been in the cycle sport forever um 
And what I've heard recently is that Juson will not be a team anymore after the new year. Um, and so Blimey. that blue and yellow and white jersey will not be around if they get their kit sorted. It's not that they're folding, it's that they've got new sponsors and it's going to be uh, a new kit. I'll see, I've, someone showed me a picture of the new kit. It looks very, very nice. Um, inspired by, well, it looks like it's kind of inspired by the Kralen kit. Which of course That's is inspired like by yeah. yes, <laughs> exactly. So it's all right. I've got plenty of that kit spare. I can just fit right in. I'm the right age. I might be a bit slow for the team. Clearly, but, you know. clearly, um, it's 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 yeah, um, it's 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 the trendsetter. So um, really? I, I, I won't tell you anymore because uh, we'll wait for them to give their formal announcement as to who all the sponsors are. I think it's time to enter the Lasseter Ronda. So what have we got coming up? Well, we have the next round of the National Trophy Series. Um, and this is in Barnoldswick. So it's not the same venue. Barlick, you call it Barlick. If you call it Barnoldswick, all the locals will laugh at you. And okay, it's Lancashire on the wrong side of the Pennines, but we do have to... It is Barlick. Okay, so let's have a little thing here. So Barlick. 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 So, you need to do it as well. Barlick. Yeah. So don't go in and say, oh, I'm going to, uh, oh, it's great to be in Barnoldswick. When you get on the podium, you get your arms in the air, go, thank you, Barnoldswick. It's been great. They'll all just, well, they'll give you the Lancashire uh, applause, which is probably throw something at you. <laughs> okay. So when we're off to Barlick. So I'm, I don't know what to expect. You can't even say the you. name. I'm not surprised. You don't <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't say the name. And it's mainly because it's frozen. I was at a race yesterday and it was, I wasn't actually racing. And I, to be honest, it's one of the first times that I've been at a race and I've thought, oh, you know what? I'm quite pleased I'm not um, because it was hard and icy and loads of people were falling off and for this local race. Um, and it could be like that. It could be hard standing could be frozen and if we do need the jet washes oh boy they're gonna freeze i i think it's always gonna be, it's gonna be really interesting because this is effectively the round that we saw up at uh, the uh, hall just outside skipton last time round. it's moved to the the rolls royce venue it's it's a ground that they've used for local league races before so it's it's got track record I could come out with all the sort of the standard prejudice Yorkshireman things like it's always wet in Lancashire, it's the wrong side of the border, it's going to be muddy, it's probably going to be the middle of nowhere, it'll be cold, wet and horrible. But actually, it's going to produce proper cross racing. It, it invariably does. And you only need to look at the, the pedigree of those northwest events. Okay, it's run by Yorkshire in Lancashire, but, you know, since when did Yorkshire bother about boundaries? You know, they think they're a republic in their own right anyway. You could say that, yeah, I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think what's been interesting this year in the National Trophy series overall is normally you get to sort of round, the the penultimate round, uh, and because you can drop a round, and there's normally people who are there and they've dropped a round, they've been a bit strategic. But this year, I don't think it's kind of worked out in quite the same way, at least not in the men's field. It has a bit more in the women's field because – I know Thomas Main was originally understood he was planning on riding the whole series and trying to win the trophy, but he's missed two rounds so far. So well, I don't think it's possible for him to um, 
but unless something very unusual happens, um, yeah, he, he he won't be able to uh, to get more points than Toby and Jensen and th- those who are way ahead um, at, at the front of the series. So it could be that it is going to be more of one of those series where people are racing every round. Yeah, we've got Toby Barnes, who's leading at the moment. You see, he was on form in Dublin. Jensen is also on form. And it's got to be between the two of them, I think, to, uh, to take the title this year. I can't see anyone else managing to do it. Um, and, you know, even after people who potentially could have been like Ben Chilton, who you know, he had his injury and has been out and uh, I don't expect to see him back this season. No, I think for me, there's two things that's happened on the, the trophies that's changed this year. And, and one is there's been a big, I mean, we always used to say that there's about 20% drop from the, the start of the season to the end of the season. So when we were getting 800 riders, we'd be down to 600 maybe. Or when we're getting 600, we may be down to 450, 500. But, you know, we were talking big, big numbers. The numbers seem to be lower across, particularly in the non-elite fields. And whether that's because people are focusing more on their local league races, because local league races now are absolutely astounding. The days when you had to go to a trophy to go race a big field that was competitive are gone. Most local leagues now are uber competitive with loads and loads of people in every category running most of the way through the season. Maybe that's one of the things. But at the very sharp end of the elite fields, you're seeing a generation change, I think. And I think we're seeing a lot of those established names. And it says a lot when when you've got people like Nicky Bramier coming through. Nicky's basically done a Keris and said, you know what, I'm going to do something different for a bit. And then comes back and has a go and goes, do you know what? I'm quite enjoying doing this and I'm actually loving doing this. And he's actually happier on the bike yet again. And 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 that's that's her space, her time to do what she wants to do. And I think maybe that's we're seeing a bit of a changing of the guard, in particularly in that men's racing. Well, and in the women's racing as well. I think we could see in the national trophy, the elite national trophy, it's gonna be you know, the, the favourite now has to be Alderney Baker to take it overall, which is amazing. I'm really happy to say that, but I wouldn't have put any money on that at the start of the season. Uh, Does that count as a change in the guard, though? Because maybe it's just because Alderney has been around since like an under-14, and an under-16, and a junior, and then into... And we've seen a racing for so many years, on, uh, and it's very, very well-deserved. Um to see her up there and it's great to see we saw it the other year with um, Abby Manley when mm. she finally took a yellow you know the series leader's jersey for the first time it had been the culmination not just of that season or that race or that trophy but it was the culmination of all that build up all the way through those those younger ranks and coming through and it was great to see but Odney almost feels to me like she's not almost new girl because she's been there for so long and kind of, it was only a matter of time before she was going to take this. So, and, well, um, uh, but it's, it, you know, it, I think I say the favourite, but she's not off the front of the race. Yeah, you know, so there's all to race for, and you get a close race, and anything could happen. You know, if you look at who's won the races this year, you've got you know, if Anna Kay decides to come and do some, or Millie Cousins comes back and does another one, or Annie Last, or Nikki Bramier, or even you know, Zan Kreese. You know, we've got these these riders who we know as international riders now, you know, either for 
you know, up and coming or former. And any of those could have come along and taken, you know, taken wins in this in the series. But they've been picking and choosing or choosing to race on the continent and you know and getting out of their you know serving their own um, what they're wanting to do this season. And it's opened it up for those others in the elite oh, and in the under twenty threes. Here's a thought for you, and I'm not in a position to come because I have no idea because I've not been at any of the races. Are we seeing more selection of other races, whether that's league races or World Cups or Super Prestige? We're seeing Zancrease riding a massive block out there. We're seeing more and more of the top riders, Toma, Anna, choosing to ride other races. Are we actually seeing now a lack of focus on the national trophy actually making it a much wider competition and we've seen less season-long participation through there but because everybody's doing this across the top 10-15 riders maybe it's out there I don't know I can't say because I don't know because I'm not seeing them and I'm not seeing those riders and I, I think it's going to be one at the end of the season we're all going to look back and we're going to go right these are the numbers that were there previous seasons these are the guys in the top these were there has the the rider that's won won without winning a round has the all these different things and I think it's a it's really interesting it's going to be really interesting to look back and go oh, that's great and you know okay I'm not the races but that doesn't mean I'm not going to be looking at the results and going oh great to see so and so and this rider and that rider you know when I go out to the the worlds at Hugerheide uh, for the UCI I'm going to be there going right so who we got in this race who's who's in there because whilst I might be impartial when I'm doing the world feed that doesn't mean in the hotel room with the days the night afterwards we're not going to be going did you see what Jensen did or do you see what Billy did in that ride or do you see what happened in that junior race or in that elite race and and to do that you need to know what's happened before and I think that's it's going to be really interesting looking back at that and maybe something that people start reflecting on now because when we get to the end of the season we start wrapping it all up and we do our traditional end of season show you know more rounds in the World Cup positive, negative great, bad indifferent national trophy good season, bad season indifferent season you know, it always produces worthy winners, but what we're we going to think at the end of that season could be interesting to get people's thoughts and on it that. Could be that the top three in the national champs have not are not none of those are the top three in the national trophy. Uh, we can argue whether the, quite what that means. I've not seen the last year's. I don't believe that last year's women's um, jersey has seen the light of day. Since it was won, yeah, it, it doesn't doesn't take anything away from Hattie Harden who won it. You know, awesome rider. Uh, but you know, could she come back with just one race in the year and defend that jersey? You know, Annie Last was second, and Anna Kay third, and there was someone in sixth last year, Kerry um, uh, uh, Styler. Yeah, who... <laughs> yeah. There you go, Kerry. No pressure. <laughs> you, look, you've won you've won a national champs jersey, and you are. A rider who we know in, is is capable of racing at the highest level and has raced at the highest level. You know, it doesn't get any bigger than World Championships and Olympics. You wear, you take that national championship jersey. You talked about it for the world's jersey. It is something special. But do you feel that it's it's degraded any by the fact you don't see it at your local race or the national trophy? Does that degrade the jersey at all or the the, the title? I don't think it degrades the jersey or the title at all. It's just when you were talking then, I was thinking there's a lot of cross races. You feel like they're all crammed in. 
And for some of the top cross riders, it must be really hard to sort of work out a season and work out which races they want to do, where they are, the whole traveling to get to them, what fits, what doesn't fit, which ones they want to peak for or which ones are just in with their training plans. Um, it, it must just be really difficult for them to be sort of picking and choosing. Um, I mean, wearing the, the, the national champs jersey is, is a magical thing. It's wonderful. And I, I'm sure Hattie probably wants to be at all the races wearing them, but it's what fits for her and what her priorities are for herself. Um, so, yeah, I just, I just think it's a really, really difficult one. There's They're almost spoilt for choice, really. There just seems to be so many races out there. Um, and if you, yeah, if you're as good as Hattie Harden, I mean, let's face it, this is a rider who can challenge enduro, cyclocross, XC. There yeah. is no limit to what she can challenge at. But she's only got a certain amount of time to be able to do the races yeah. as well. You know, you, you it's just fitting it all in. Yeah, for sure. For sure, yeah. be be really interesting to see how that that plays out, and you know, I guess that's the same facing the riders when we look at Valdisoli. You know, yeah. we are we're, that's our next round of the World Cup in the snow, in an amazing mountain bike venue. Um, are we going to see the same riders there? Is, are people going just to get the best picture of the year ever? Is you it know? snowy there yet? Uh, is there snow so. on the ground? I wasn't sure that there was any snow on the ground yet. I bet you the there venue. is by the time we get to. The weekend. There's definitely snow in France. Yep. In the Alps. Cue frantic Googling of the weather forecast by somebody. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) It does produce great pictures, but is it worth the travel and the hassle and the the special setup for the bikes? Not sure. What I enjoyed about that race last year was seeing the riders find the limit in the race conditions. Now, we know snow and ice, it changes every lap, but massively. It's not like a subtle change every lap. But once the ra- once the course got fully bedded in, they were kind of being braver and braver and braver until they fell off. It was so, but yeah, that was a, it was a, bra- it was a breakout race, wasn't it, last year for um, Van Empel, yeah. where she beat Voss. So I think it will be an interesting one to see um, who turns up. I don't know. It's so it, there's, the season is long, um, and looking at who went to Dublin, maybe they will choose not to go to the World Cup because there's not a lot left to win, and a lot of people will know that they're not in with a shout of the World Cup. Um, so maybe more focusing on their national jersey or the World Champs or even some of the other series. Let's update you with the latest snow report from. <laughs> Valdi Soli. Snow is forecast for Thursday, Friday and Saturday with sunshine on Sunday. The current temperature as we record this uh, on a Monday evening is minus 13 in Valdi Soli. Is that at the top of the mountain or in the valley? No, it's minus 13 actually in the valley at the moment. (laughs) On the top of the mountain, it's even colder. And the snow depth for you, for those of you who are into your snow, currently varies between 15 centimetres and 75 centimetres with some fresh powder on some of the slopes. So uh, if you're going out there snowboarding or skiing, I'm very jealous. If you're going out there cyclocross riding, I'm not, because I'll hold my hand up. I'm bad enough generally. Have a bit of crashing. Uh, And the only good thing about snow for me is it doesn't hurt as much when I come off. Might push it to a little bit too much. A little bit. But lots of snow is the prediction, which means that when it's sunny and it's all muddy and there's no snow, next time everybody can rip the mickey out of me on social media. Oh, it's fine. I can live with it. Excellent. Well, with that um, lack of 
confidence in what's going on. (laughs) Well, before we cross the finish line or whether it's covered in snow or not, I have to say thanks everyone for contributing to the podcast. buy me a coffee it really does make a massive difference it keeps us on the keeps the show on the road and there are rumors out there that some people even bought us a guinness um, after spotting us somewhere um so thanks so much for for that um so yeah thanks for the buy me a coffee the deal is you go on to buymeacoffee.com slash crosscast and then you buy some virtual coffee and that gets converted into our hosting fees um, that we have to pay throughout the year not just during the cross season and so and keeps the show on the road so thanks ever so much everyone who's been joining in the fun on that one so we you can find us online uh, matt where can we find you on the internet you can find me uh, streaming out the my whoosh uh, racing the esports racing just curious uh, on a, a sunday that's on the my whoosh youtube channel you're going to be able to catch up with me on the donny chain gang as well as of course on instagram which is at matt fix pain and at full speed events uh, and you can probably catch me in the next show uh, from uh, France, where I live two doors down from somebody who has their own site. just got to say, go. Totally random fact for you. Uh, Keris, where can we find you? What are you up to next? Oh, you can find me at home, Swifting. Um, and then this weekend, yeah. <laughs> National Trophy. Um, and then home for Christmas. Obviously, a big family thing then. So, yeah. And then uh, back for the National Trophy and then National Tramps. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to seeing you at all of those. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you can find me at Crosscast Neil on Zwift and on Instagram and on Facebook and all over the place. Um, and you can find me at the next National Trophy. I'll be there in the Gritty Tent. It was, actually, it was great to catch up with so many people um, at the World Masters. Um, so thanks for popping over and, and saying hi. Um, and it continues to do the same. We're going to be at the next two rounds of the trophy and at the national champs. So we're doing the full season this year. So we'll see you there. But until next time, we'll see you on the other side of the tape. Bye.